we're talking about a, a topic that uh, uh, we probably haven't talked about enough. And uh, it, it's just so key for Christian living. It, it's key when you're going through a, a heartache in life that you can hear the assuring word of God speak to your spirit. Sometimes in the midst of a lot of pain, it's hard to hear. But God will break through that pain and give you a scripture, give you a word that if you hold on to it, quote it, stand on it, will help you get through that situation. There's, there's times when a, a temptation is in our life. And, and the enemy's trying to drive us and make our minds lean into something they shouldn't lean into. That God will give us a word. That when we quote that word and we stand on that word, that temptation begins to get smacked down right into place. Uh, the great things that have happened of, by God, the great things that have happened, all throughout the kingdom of God have happened because somebody heard the voice of God, stepped out onto the nothingness of the vision and let God do his thing. Sometimes you've got to step out in faith. You've got, you got to take a risk. But it's, it's, it's good to be smart enough to know how to filter the things that you're hearing so you're not stepping out on your own. So you're actually hearing from God. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Exodus chapter 4. And uh, we'll look at verse 10. And in Exodus chapter 4, you see one of the great moments of God speaking clearly to a man. God's about to rescue the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he's chosen a man to do it. And he's speaking to this man. He's telling this man so clearly crystal clearly what is supposed to be done. And in verse 10 of Exodus chapter 4, it says this, but Moses said to the Lord, see we get, we get a chance to talk back. We get a chance to talk back. Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, mute or deaf or seem or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. The story goes on, and we're not going to go into the rest of the story, but this, this key point of, of Understand that God speaks to us and begins to give directions to us. And, and I want you to really hear this today. I posted this on Facebook, and some of you saw it. God doesn't give assignments that are possible. Let me say that again. God doesn't give us assignments that are possible. He always leaves room to get involved himself. You may think that you can be a good parent on your own. 
may think you can be. But you are limited in how far you can go as a parent on your own. You may think you can be a good spouse on your own. But you're limited in how far you can go on your own. You may think you're a good worker and a good person at work, whatever it might be. But you're limited. The fullness of the job that God would really have us to do cannot be done on our own. It can't be fulfilled all by ourselves. You may be kind, you may be loving, you may be a a, a faithful spouse, you may be supportive of your children, you may be protective of your children, you may have a marriage that works in the natural, a lot of people do, but it will never fulfill its divine purpose without God being in the middle of it. You may not even see the divine purpose until God gets in the middle of it. But it will never produce the fullness of the championship in children that God wants you to develop until he's in the middle of it. It will never produce the fullness of the purpose of your marriage. When we have a, when we have a marriage there, God brings two people together for his purpose on this earth. And if we're doing it on our own, we'll never discover God's purpose on this earth. You may be in a workplace and you may be a good salesman or a good manager or a good worker, good lawyer, good doctor, good whatever. You'll never be the powerful, eternal impact until you say, God, show me what I'm supposed to do in this. Show me why you've placed me here. Teach me why you've given me these talents. Show me why I'm in this workplace around these people doing this thing. God, teach me your way. Let me hear your voice. You go so far. But at the end of the time, the Bible warns us that at the end of days, we're going to stand before God and all of our works are going to be tested by the fire. Some, the Bible tells us, will enter into heaven, but they'll enter into heaven like a stillborn child that never lived on this earth, never existed on this earth, because they never did anything of eternal value, even though they put in 80 or 90 years on this earth. Think about it. And others, their works will be tested, and it's going to come out like pure gold. It's going to last and it's going to stand. What's the difference? They heard God. They heard what God would have them to do. And they didn't just do the menial task of this earthly job. They did the supernatural, spiritual task of the eternal job. They did it all. And they can't, and here's the deal. You can't do it, you can't do that on on your own. That, that, for that to be done, You need God directing your every step and your every word. You need God's involvement in the situation for that to be done. And so what we're talking about is how do we hear God's voice and how do we know God's voice so those things can take place in our life. And so we're we're asking this. Listen, I want want to just share something uh, with you in this. There are Many great singers. There are 
many people who are talented businessmen or talented politicians or talented teachers or maybe even talented parents. But when I watch something, I see, I don't watch these shows, but I see like advertisements for the Grammys and they talk about all these great people are going to sing. I, you know what I sit and I think? I think they've, they've missed the point. They've missed the point. They're singing for the glory of man. God gave them a voice to sing for his glory. And they've missed it. They've missed it. And man can reward them all he wants to. They don't get to take the Grammys to heaven. They don't get to take them and say, God, look what I have. He doesn't care. The, the awards that God cares about, the trophies God cares about, are the souls you bring along with you. You want to bring a trophy to heaven? Bring eternal lives and souls with you. Care about the lost. Witness to the lost. Encourage the believer. Be a part of bringing souls into heaven. That's the things that God's looking at. He's looking at and saying, what did your life count for? Oh, I got these two trophies that man made up and gave to me. God's going to look at you and say, well, you know, I've seen a lot of idols. They're all made by man. They all mean nothing. They can't talk. They can't move. They can't change the weather. They can't heal the body. They can't do anything. They're just little pieces of metal that you put up on your shelf. I sit down and go, celebrate, clap, talk to each other about how great you are. But at the end of the day, when you stand before a great and almighty God, it's going to count for nothing. God gave them that voice to glorify him. And I just, I just think sometimes, I listen to him. Boy, if you turn that into glory for God, what could it be? What could it be? If you took that, that voice that God's given you, you took that talent as a teacher that God's given you, you took that talent as a businessman that God gave, has given you, you, you took that, that ability as a politician that God gave you, you said, I'm going to do this with God's voice whispering in my ear, telling me what to do. And now all of a sudden, friend, it springs from the natural into the eternal. What do you want to be? Does this sound good to you? We fall short of God's plan. Now remember Moses. We just read about Moses. <laughs> Moses, in his early day, earlier days, tried to protect and defend the people of Israel and tried to stand up for them. Remember that? Go read those first couple chapters of Exodus sometimes. He ended up in the desert in the wilderness for 40 years. God took him out there and made him a shepherd so he could learn how to be a shepherd. So he could learn how to listen and know God's voice. Now he's being sent back. Where before he was impetuous. Now he's more introspective. Where before he thought he could do something on his own. Now he's not so sure he can do anything even with God. He, he's come to a realization, which is what we talked about Sunday. This realization of my place. Who I really am. And my need for God in my life. And Moses is a lot closer to it now than he was 40 years earlier. Moses in, is in no mood at this time in his life 
to strike out on his own ability. No, there's some caution there. There's some awareness of the impossibility of the task that can be done. There's some awareness that he can't do it in his own strength. There's some awareness that he needs something bigger and greater than him to get it done. This is where we need to live, with this awareness that we can't get it done without his voice, without his power, without his strength. We need him. And so with all this awareness, he's saying, listen, I, I can't even talk right. I can't, I, I can't do any of this right, God. I, I, you got the wrong guy. And God's saying, no, I got exactly, now, now, now I've got the right guy. It's taken some, some years to get here, but now, now, I've got the right guy. This is humility and wisdom. So here's the lesson, men and women. We don't have to rush in. We don't have to rush in. Really, hear this with me. Preparation is part of answering the call. So many times somebody gets a call and they want to rush in. They want to go do it tomorrow. I've I've talked with young ministers, young guys feeling called in the ministry uh, for years now. And, and they, you know, they, they get a calling, and they want to go pastor church tomorrow. And, and they, you, know, you say, well, you, need, you need to get some schooling under your belt. You need to get prepara- preparation. You need to get some mentoring in your life. You need to get this to happen or that to happen. No, I've got to call God. I just, I just need to get a church. No, you, you get a church, you're going to blow that thing up. It's going to be a mess in a, in a New York second because well, I'm called, and God will protect me. No, you're called. Now God's going to prepare you. Preparing. Preparing, being prepared, is part of answering the call. Listen, Jesus went up on the mountain, and he prayed, and he came down, and he called 12 to be around him, and he, said, he didn't say to them, uh, I've been up on the mountain, I prayed, you're, you're supposed to go birth my church, go do it now. Go do it. No, he said, come go with me for the next three years. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Come hang out with me. And so there's years of preparation. Paul gets called on the Damascus Road. And between that time and the time when the church in Antioch says, go out, do, send, we're going to send you out to work. Years have gone by. Years of preparation have happened in Paul's life before that happens. When you look at David, and he comes out as a teenage boy, teenage boy, and the giants out there, and you think, oh, well, he heard God, and he just impetuously did. No, when they ask him, what makes you think you can do this? He says, I've been a shepherd. And when the lion came against me, God's hand was upon me. When the bear came against me, God's hand was What had happened? God had been preparing him for this moment. For this moment in time, God had been preparing him. And now David, when everybody else is afraid, when everybody else is falling back, David's ready to walk down as a teenage boy in front of a trained, prepared giant of a warrior and say, hey, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God, by the hand of God. God's helped me with the lion, and he's helped me with the bear, and you're dying today. You're going down today. Why? Why? Because God was, had prepared him. 
Now, think about this. Of, of all the, you, you think about <laughs> David. David's at his house. We talked about this a little bit. He's out in the fields. Saul, Samuel shows up. They go through all the brothers. None of them are the guy that's called to be the next king. Samuel's looking at him. Well, this guy's big enough. This guy's handsome enough. This guy's looks strong enough. And God's going, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. Finally, he goes, I don't understand. God sent me here to anoint the next king. What's going on? Do you have any more sons? He goes, yeah, I got the little, little guy out in the fields watching the sheep. Now he goes, send for him. And they're like, are you kidding? David? Yeah, send, send for him. He walks in. Samuel takes one look at him and goes, he's the man. He's the man. And anoints him to be king. And David's life lived happily ever after. <laughs> Is that what happened? Man, he spent years hiding in caves and in the enemy's camp and acting like an insane man and doing all. What was happening? God was preparing him for the anointing that happened one day so he would be the king he was supposed to be another day. So understand this. When the voice of God speaks to you about a call, when the voice of God tells you something, now it doesn't mean jump into it. It means get prepared. Get ready. Let him work on you. Let him build you. Be faithful. Do the small things. Live in the cave for a while. Live there until God's ready to bring you out to the fullness of the plan he has for you. Some of you today may be in the cave. You may be sitting here saying, I got this thing God wants me to do. If you try to jump into it, you're going to fall flat on your face. You're not prepared. You're not prepared. You got to sit and say, okay, I got this great vision, this great dream of what God wants me to do. I got this thing he wants me to do. I got to get ready. Listen, mom and dad, you're sitting in here today. You've got four-year-olds and five-year-olds. Teenage years are coming. The calling is definitely there. You better get ready. You better get prepared. You better start praying now and believing God now and living the life in front of them now, planting the seed in their heart now because the day's coming. And you can have victory in that day. You don't have to fear it. You don't have to fret it. But you better be getting ready today. Now, we've talked about filters and and the filters is one, is, is God, is this truly a prompting from God? Is it truly the voice of God? Is, is the voice scriptural? Is it wise? Is it in tune with your own character and, or wiring? And what do the people I trust the most think about it? And I really want us to think about this one. Is it in tune with my own character or wiring? Have I been made for this? Have I been prepared for this? David was prepared for this. He was prepared for the giant when he got there. The disciples, they got taught and prepared, and then Jesus died, and he came back, and he's taught them some more, and then he left them, and then the Holy Spirit came and filled them. Now they're ready. There's a whole lot of, a whole lot of preparation going on before they were ready. And this is one of the biggest mistakes Christians make is we get a calling and we rush out before we're ready. And we're not ready. And all of a sudden, we're trembling before the giant, running from the giant, getting beat up by the giant. 
instead of defeating the giant. Do you ever wonder why it is titled a call? We call it a calling because God speaks to us. You hear the call. You, you hear the need. You hear the issue. You hear, you see it, and it begins to weigh on your heart. David stood there and looked at this giant, and he's going, what is this uncircumcised Philistine doing threatening the camp of God? Everybody else is sitting there going, what is this giant, this giant's down there? Who's they going to send down there? I hope it's not me. And David's sitting there going, why hasn't somebody taken this guy out already? Why? He's prepared. He's ready. He's not afraid. He knows what God's going to do. And he knows when they ask him the question, he knows. He doesn't say, oh, I'm really good with my sling. It's not what he says. He doesn't look at him and say, I, 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 I'm, I'm fat, I'm, I'm, I'm wily, I'll dart in and out and he won't get me. He didn't say that. He says, no, God's been upon me at this time and God's been upon me at this time and God's going to be, he knows he needs God. One of the most foolish things we can do is think we don't need God. In what? In the simplest of jobs. In the simplest of things. Oh, everybody raises their kids. Yeah, everybody's kids grow up. But not everybody raises spiritual giants. Not everybody does that. Not everybody raises up young men and young women who understand their call and their purpose in life and go about it with vigor and, and firmness and, and, and vision in their life. That doesn't happen with everybody. Sadly, it doesn't. It happens way too few times in the church. What's the deal? We're doing it on our own. We think we can do it. I'll bring them to church. I'll make them obey. I'll pray around the table. I'll, 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 I'll get them there. <laughs> you, with fear and trembling, friend, I'm telling you, no, you won't. I won't, you won't. Anything that happens there, God's got to do it. He's given you the ability to feed them and clothe them and give them a place to live and love on them, speak his word to them. But at the end of the day, you're, you've got to be on your knees saying, God, I know that I know that I know that the thing that's got to happen in their life is only going to happen through your power. I'm going to whip that, 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 I'm going to whip that sling around. I'm going to let the rock go. But God, you've got to guide it. You've got to make it hit right where it needs to because I cannot do that. And if you think for a second you can do it, you're going to limit what's going to happen with your kids. You're going to limit what can be in your marriage. We will limit what we can do as a church. We need the power of God. And so he calls us. He gives us a vision. And this vision is we want these godly kids. This vision is we want this church that, that impacts an entire community with the gospel, that people are compelled to consider the, the, the claims of Christ. We want to compel every person in central Illinois to think about who Jesus is. We can't do that on our own. We can buy billboards. We can hand out tracts. We can invite people to Easter, and they can go right in the trash. They can drive right by them. We can invite people to church, and, and maybe they'll come once or twice and miss everything. It takes God to get the job done. Do we have to do our part? David had to walk down in that valley with five stones in his hand ready for battle. But he walked down with faith, ready, prepared to face the enemy.
So because God speaks, we get this call on our life to go do something. So here's question number one. When I'm testing, is it in my talent range? Is it in my talent? David, it was in David's talent range with the sling. He wasn't a newcomer to the sling. This wasn't something he hadn't done before. He had, he had some ability. Moses was saying no because he didn't feel like it was any longer even in his talent. So this is a place we've got to be careful. Sometimes God can overcome our lack of talent. I've known many pastors who will tell you that before they were pastors, they were scared to death of public speaking, and then God calls them in the ministry. And God helps them overcome that. Uh, again, it helps them be this, this awareness of the need for God. And the question number two is, am I ready? Is there fruit in my life that, that shows it? So a person, you know, decides they, that God's called them to be a, a singer and glorify God. Okay, well, here's the first question. Isn't it in, is it in your talent gift? Are you really a talented singer? Say, well, no, I'm not, but God's going to make me one. Good, good, okay. God can do that. That's a unique thing that, for God to do, but he can do it. But don't, don't go book a tour yet. You know, don't, don't, don't go down and, and book hours at the recording studio quite yet. Well, well what do you do? Go, you know, go talk to Jenny about whether you can be in the choir or not. Get in the choir for a while. See if God lets your talent flourish, because if he does, it won't be long until Jenny will take note of it and others will take note of it, and they'll say, hey, why don't you sing a solo for us? Why don't you come singing this for us? And, and, and then, then you'll be so good that other doors will begin to open for you. But listen, it's got to be in my talent mix. Sometimes that talent develops. Sometimes it grows. But what you don't want to be is you don't want to be like one of those, these guys. Have you ever watched American Idol at the very beginning? When, when they have the people coming and trying out, and they always, get, they always get these ones that come in that are trying out that are terrible. And, and, and inevitably, every year, the only time I ever watch American Idol is at the beginning because I want to hear these guys. I don't care about who wins. I really don't care about what happens. When the first couple of weeks of tryouts are done, I'm done with the show. Up until I, I love to hear these guys come in and go, my mommy and daddy tell me I'm a great singer. And they, and they look at them and go, your mommy and daddy are lying to you. Your mommy and daddy are tone deaf. My, I've been taking vocal lessons for 15 years. Go get your money back. Go get your money. It's not done you any good. You know, it's... It, Sometimes, Christians, we can go rushing out into things that's not in our talent base. If God wants to be in your talent base, don't start with the giant. Start out in the fields with the sheep. Start someplace where God can begin to expand your talent. We can begin to build your talent. Begin to follow God inside of that. So I want to I be a pastor. Good, good, good. 
go start a C2 group and build it. Let's see what you can do. Get a Sunday school class and bust the walls out. Have, have Mick Dong come to me and say, man, we got this, you know, Joe's over here at the Sunday school class. We got so many people and they can't get in there. He, he calls them all. He visits them all. He, he has a great lesson ready for them and people are just dying to get in that class. Okay. Okay. Start someplace. Don't expect somebody to put you in the other. Start somewhere. Prove yourself. Prove yourself. Move into that place. Take on the lion and the bear. Say, so we feel called to get married. Great. How do you get along with your parents? Because I understand we get in a family thing, sometimes it would be the other person's fault. But really, how do you get along with people? What kind of relationships do you have with other people? Do you have healthy relationships with, with other people? Are the boundaries clearly drawn? Do you know how to build right relationships in the first place? If you don't, maybe you ought to start there. Learn how to build relationships before you dive into a marriage with somebody else who's probably just as bad at relationships as you are. Are you hearing me today? Say, so I want to start a business. Good. How are your own finances? Oh, I'm terrible with my own finances. Oh, <laughs> and you got to go start a business? Come on now. Take care of the little things first. You know, how are you managing your time? Oh, I, you know, I, I can't hardly get out of bed in the morning. Well, and you're going to go start a business? Come on. Manage your own time first. You're saying I'm not called? No, I'm saying God prepares you before he opens the big door. Get prepared. Start working on the preparation. Start getting the Bible study under your belt. Start learning how to control your own time. Start getting your own finances in order. Start getting your own life in order. Start getting things in order so that God can open the door so that when the giant shows up, you go, I got this. I got this. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you. I got this. But it's preparation. It's preparation. Prep is part of answering the call. Does this make does it make sense? So so there there is there will be at some point in time in this process of preparation, you're gonna feel more and more anointing. You're gonna feel more and more the freedom of God. You're gonna have more and more people telling you. Yeah, doors will open. I'll close with this story. Um, and some of you have heard this before, but I'll, I'll, it's embarrassing. Growing up in church, we had a youth choir. The door kind of opened for us to start traveling some places and sing. And my mom was directing the youth choir back in that day, and, and she would ask the kids to uh, share, test, share something in between the songs. I was young enough in the group at that time that I'd been left alone for a while. But finally, one night, we're going someplace, and my mom said to me, she says, I want you to share between this song and this song. Now, we're in front, we're sitting there in the choir with a bunch of kids. And I'm sitting there, and I go, no, I don't think I'll do that. Well, I said, no. You know, I am my father's son. And I didn't like the plan of that, and I said, no. She says, yeah, yeah, I want you to. I said, no. She said, yes, I want you to. I said, no. 
She said, okay. So a few minutes later, here comes my dad. Catches me out in the parking lot of the church. I can take you right to the church where it's on Walnut Street. Takes me right, standing right there by the front door. He comes up to me and says, uh, you will uh, introduce that song tonight. And I, I remember I said that. I said, no, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you will. I said, no, I'm not. He said, if I have to come up on the platform and get you and drag you over the microphone, you're going to introduce that song. Now, if you, you had to know my dad to know that was not a vain threat. That was, that, he, was not, he was not exaggerating. He was not afraid of being, he, he had no embarrassment knob. There was no meter for embarrassment in his life when it came to things like that. You were going to do what he told you. And, and so I, now I know this is going to happen tonight. I'm either going to do this. And, and, and finally, so he walks away and one of the older guys says to me, listen, all you got to do is say, you know, the last song was, the next song is. That's all I got to do. And that's what I did for a while. I went through a period of time when they'd ask me to sing an introduce song. I'd say, get up and say, well, you know, we just sang such and such song. Now we're going to sing such and such song. I hope you like it. And I'd go down, I'd go practice that. <laughs> you know, you're a teenage kid. You got all kinds of insecurities. Do you, any of you remember that? All kinds of insecurities. So I'd go practice that. I was down in the basement of the church one night over on, uh, down there, what's the daycare now, and I'm practicing that. And, uh, the, you know, sitting in this room all by myself, I'm going over this, I'm going to say this Sunday night, and finally, sitting in a rocking chair, and I thought I had it down. And uh, sitting there. And the Lord dropped something into my heart to say that night. freaked me out. Uh, I knew this is what I was supposed to say. And I had a decision because see, just like I could say no to my dad, I could say no to God. God was a little less likely to drag me to the microphone and make me do it. You just miss his opportunity. And I sat down there for a few minutes and I remember going upstairs thinking, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? And, and I, I, could, I could tell you that the song we were introducing was this little light of mine. It was a, a, an amped up version, a, a, a 70s version of an old song. And uh, what the Lord had laid on my heart is, it was just really simple. It was something about if, if 12 men would obey God and they've changed the world, what would happen if all of us obeyed God? Simple little thing, nothing big. Nothing, no, 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 no major theological revelation. But I said that that night. Let's let our light shine. And I remember the pleasure of God in that moment. I can't imagine what well done standing before God's going to feel like. Every now and then on this earth, if you're doing what God wants you to do, you get a little taste of it. You get just a little taste. Well done. And I got it that night. And I remember going home from that night. I remember walking back to the microphone. I was supposed to sing at that night, thinking, never again, never again will I ever get up and say something until I've heard what God has me to say.
Never again. It wasn't long until, you know, I'd move from just one of the people doing it, that I'd be the, the, the next, the, you know, the, I'd be the last guy. It starts, I, Mark, you'll introduce the last song. Share something for the last song. It wasn't long until I was speaking in our youth group a little bit. Dad had me speak at church occasionally on Sunday nights. That was, boy, was that a bold move. Uh, and, and then, kind of an amazing thing happened. We, we are, are <laughs> they, had a, they have a thing called PK retreat, pastor's kids retreat. Pastor's kids get to go down to it free. And, and uh, I was going to go down to this thing. And uh, they still have it now. This happened a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we got a call the week before, a couple of days before, and uh, uh, Pastor Dorcha called up and said, the guy who's supposed to speak has had an appendectomy. And he can't come to PK retreat. And, it, and he asked my dad, can you send John, who's our youth pastor, can you send him down? And send a couple of your groups down to sing and, and help us out. So Dad said, sure. It was two nights, and we're supposed to go down there. We had a couple of groups who were going to go down, down there and sing. And so there was a group that I was in, and we were there. It was on, it was on the, the first night. And we're at church, and we're packing up the van, and we're getting ready to go. And, and uh, get everything loaded up to go, and we're waiting, we're waiting. And finally, we, where's John? John's not showing up. We went back to the office and said, where's John? My, my dad was on a trip. He was speaking someplace. And we said, where's John? And they said, oh, John called. He's sick. Really? Well, what are we supposed to do? He said for you guys to go on down and sing. Now, listen. This is not a great move for a youth pastor. But we we were 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And so we get, sure, you know. We're too foolish to be afraid. We head down there. We figured John's called, told him he can't come, told him the group's coming, and they'll have something else worked out. So we get down there, and, and we're, we're, we set everything up, and we get ready to, to sing that night, and, and we're off in one of the side rooms afterwards. We're, we're horse runners. We're not smart enough to know we better pray. <laughs> There's a bunch of kids over here goofing off when Reverend Dorch walks in and goes, Where's John? <laughs> Reverend Dorch knew me because he knew my dad. He knew me through my dad. And I said, well, he, he's sick. Didn't he call? No, he didn't call. Well, who's speaking tonight? And one of the guys said, well, Mark will. <laughs> uh, what? What? And, and the miracle of it all is Pastor Dorch went, okay, let's pray. And we prayed. And I, don't, I have no clue what I said that night. It may have been terrible. But I'll tell you what did happen after that night. Uh, Dad got several calls from pastors saying, and I didn't even go home and tell him. He came to me and said, what, what, what's happening here? What happened here? Because I wasn't going to tell him because I wasn't going to narc out John. Because I knew my dad wouldn't be happy with John. And, and so you know, some, of the, some of the guys said, well, you know, John didn't show, so Mark ended up speaking. He goes, I, we go, well, I go, I've gotten like three or four calls from these churches. They want you to come and, and speak at their youth group. 
See, now, I didn't plan that. You don't have to make these things happen. God makes things happen. We just have to be faithful right where we're at. Do what we're told. And then let God do the rest of it. And, and all that is, is, he's preparing us. He was preparing me for that moment. He, he prepared us for that time. He's, he's pr- probably preparing you for something right now. You may be wondering, why is this bad thing happening? Why is this going on in my life? Why is this happening? God's getting you ready for something. Are you, are you letting him get you ready? Because, see, the more you fight it, the longer it's going to take to get ready. You just got to live like David did, faithfully in the cave for a while. Just be faithful in the cave for a while. Don't get a bad attitude. Don't get a bad thing. A friend of mine called me yesterday. He's just been fired from his job. He's been at this job for 20 years, and they fired him. Had some things going on in the, the place, and his finances were tough. And he said, you got anything to tell me? I said, yeah, don't get bitter. Don't get mad. God's had you there for 20 years. You probably couldn't have heard that it was time to leave unless this happened. You'd have probably never left there unless this happened. What's God saying? God's saying, I got something else for you. God, God, hasn't, God didn't sit up in heaven and go, I think I'll just fire this guy and get rid of him. No, he said, it's time for him to move on. I got something else for him. Now, and in all likelihood, he had never, he told me, he said, this isn't the way I was planning on going out. No, he's planning on retiring there. That's what he's planning on doing. And God was sitting there saying, no, I got something else. And the only way I'm going to get this done is for this to happen. And maybe that's in the place you're at, right? You're in this place. You go, why is this all this happening? God's getting you ready for something. So don't be bitter. Don't be angry in the cave. Don't sit there with the, with the sword in your hand thinking, if Saul shows up for me, I'm getting him. No. Let your heart be soft. Let your heart be right. And when it's time for you to be anointed king, queen, leader, you'll have the right stuff to do it. Amen? Bless the Lord. Let's stand together and pray. Father, as I always pray, Whatever's of me, let it be forgotten. Lord, what's ever of you, let it be embedded. Lord, whatever somebody's at right now, whatever's going on in somebody's life right now, Father, let them remember the call they have. And remember the call. And let them see the time of preparation. Let us not despise the preparation. Let us not be anxious in the preparation. Let us be whole in the preparation, we pray. And Lord, when it's time for us to take on the next thing, let us be ready. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord tonight.